This is episode 25 of Retired Excited. Now, if you don't remember, Henry Shapiro joined the Rocky Retirement Show, and I'm releasing his episodes one at a time. For his episode 25, he actually had interviewed me, and so I was a little reluctant to post it. But here it is for your listening pleasure. Welcome to the Retired Excited Podcast. Retired Excited, the show where we give retired and want-to-be-retired folk a look at how great retired life can be. Here we talk to men and women who are happily retired and loving their life. We explore the techniques, activities, beliefs, and excitement of these happy retirees and examine how every Tom, Dick, and Mary can benefit from their experience. Together, we will delve into what retired happiness really looks like and how anyone can achieve it. Here is your host, Henry Shapiro. Hey folks, Henry here at Retired Excited, the show providing inspiration for people who are nearly retired, newly retired, or say they're never going to retire. If you're nearing retirement and fearful of what lies ahead, you don't need to be. If you're already retired and wondering how to fill your days, then this show is exactly for you. Here we talk to retired people doing things that make them happy. Things from stamp collecting to cruising, from dancing to touring the world on a motorbike. There's an exciting stage of life to be enjoyed after full-time work and it's got nothing to do with your financial situation or social position. We talk to everyday retired people who are living the life they want and we talk to a few professionals to get expert advice. And I chip in with some of my own experiences. Welcome everybody to episode number 25 of Retired Excited. Interesting woman for you to meet today. Her name is Kathy Klein and she has a podcast which she broadcasts from America which is very, very similar in purpose to this podcast, to Retired Excited. Kathy was, for 25 years, a financial advisor, and she came to understand that there's a lot more to life, and particularly a lot more to life in retirement, than finances. It's not really all about the money. So she downscaled her business, sold off half of it, and then couldn't help herself, build it up again let go of the great majority of what she had left. And she explains why she did that. And she just retained a few clients and transitioned, or the buzzword is pivoted, into a different realm of finance, and that is Medicare insurance. In America, Medicare is not quite the same as it is here in Australia. And she explains the sort of clients that she was dealing with. She saw a need of people who weren't being serviced correctly. She understood just how difficult it was, and from her background understood that Really, the average person would have huge difficulty coping with trying to engage with Medicare insurance, and so determined that that's what she was going to do. As I say in the in the podcast, she saw the need and sought to help people. A very, very interesting story. Now, during this interview, we range over a whole wide gamut of issues, and we talk about Medicare, the whole uh, medical scheme in America, and they have something in America which we don't have here in Australia. They have what they call a drug plan, which in Australian terms is medicines or prescriptions. So over there they have to insure for the doctors and hospital services, but also separately for prescriptions for medicines which are unbelievably expensive. Really this podcast is about her podcast. She runs Rocky Retirement, 
rockyretirement.com, which, as I said, has got very similar objectives to this one. The purpose of it is to show that it's not all about the money. There's lots of other things, and she goes through a whole range of issues. And alongside her, uh, alongside her podcast, she has a Facebook group, and she talks at some length about the Facebook group, and I really, really encourage you to have a look at her Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash rockyretirement. And I'll put that in the show notes and remind you about it later. So we talk about those things at the end of the podcast. We talk about an excursion she made because they, she and her husband were considering moving to a retirement community. Now, it's not quite like a retirement village here in Australia. It's huge. It's much, much bigger. And she explains what that was all about. And we get some idea of the cost of moving, the reasons that she was considering it, and what the benefits may have been to her to shift to a retirement community. In the end, she didn't decide to shift to the one that she looked at, and she says why, but that's an interesting story. We also discuss the methodology she uses with her podcast and how she learned to actually podcast. She did it quite differently to me. It's a terrific interview. I really, really encourage you to look at her website and listen to her podcasts and get engaged with her Facebook page her Facebook group, and I'll remind you again at the end. So let's listen now to Kathy Klein. Good afternoon, Kathy. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Henry? I'm really well. Now, good. Kathy, just tell our listeners where you are. So I am in San Diego, California, United States of America. Well, you told me before we went online that you were standing up. Why are you standing up? So I have a treadmill desk. And I stand when I'm, you know, working or interviewing people. But when I'm interviewing people or being interviewed, like the cases right now, I don't turn the treadmill part on because you can hear it. <laughs> Just if, as well. If you, yeah, if you want, I'll turn it on so you can hear what it no, sounds no, like. No, 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 don't do that. No, no. My doctor had told me that I had gained too much weight over the <gasps> years. And no, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing. You know, I'm 50 years old, so I've got that 50-year-old weight that we get. Still, still a very young person by my... Uh, by. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, my husband is 70-something. So anyway, I, I started going to the gym, and I go to the gym for an hour, and I still couldn't get my 10,000 steps in that she ordered. So I whined and cried and told my husband that I wanted a treadmill desk. Finally... We got one. And he said, you know, in three months, this is going to be a clothes hanger because it was quite expensive. And I've been using it. I don't always get my 10,000 steps in, but I try. And sometimes I even get more. Sometimes I'll get 12,000 or 15,000 in, depending. But when I just stand here like this, obviously, I don't get as many steps in. So obviously, you're at home. I am. I'm at home. I work from home. I have a, a I don't want to call it a studio because it's, it's really the shared office loft that I have with my husband. And I have a bird that is actually in what would make a perfect recording studio. So maybe his days are numbered. Who knows? <laughs> I have seen uh, a picture of you on Facebook with your treadmill desk. I'm going to find it and I'm going to put it up on my website so folks can see what you're talking about. <laughs> That's fine. You're, you're welcome to do that. Now, we're supposed to be talking about retirement, Kat. Okay. All right. So are you a retired person? I do not consider myself to be fully retired, but I do consider myself to be partially uh, retired, even though I still work. And the reason is because for 25 years, I was a full-time financial advisor. 
and I had 1,400 clients. And um, at one time I had 2,500 and I sold part of my business and then built it back up to 1,400. And then in 2015, I decided that I didn't want the headaches of having that many clients and, and dealing with all the paperwork that you have to have here in the United States when you are selling investments. And so I gave up that license and decided that I would still be a very, very, very part-time financial advisor. I have about 30 clients. It's fee-based, you know, fee-based instead of commission-based. And, um, and I work with Medicare insurance. Medicare insurance is the insurance that we have in the United States for people 65 years old and older and those that are disabled for more than two years. Back to me being retired, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really not retired because I do still sell Medicare insurance. Mm-hmm. And I have these handful of clients that are financial clients, but um, it does allow me to spend time doing my, my hobby, which is like a full-time job, as you're probably aware, Henry. Your, your podcast is probably like a full-time job for you as well, right? It can be, and I'm going to get onto that in a second because <laughs> you've got a secret weapon. I do? So, yeah, you do, Les. Oh, Les, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You've got someone who looks after all the technicalities, <laughs> which takes me yes, forever. I'm lucky. I'm but very just let lucky. Me, just let me ask you, you're doing? Medicare. Which part of the population does it cater to? So Medicare insurance is for people 65 and older. Mm-hmm. And people who have been on Social Security disability for two years or more. All right. I just wanted you to repeat that because now I'm going to ask you, why did you select that segment of your clientele to deal with or to persist with? So my husband is 20 years older than me. And when he turned 65, he got a four-inch stack of paperwork from people trying to sell him Medicare insurance. Well, it's really not Medicare insurance that that I sell, and it's not Medicare insurance that other people sell. Medicare, you get directly from the government, Medicare Part A and B. Um, And then what I sell and what other people sell either supplements it or replaces it. Okay. And so when he turned 65, he got this big stack of mail, and there's two types of plans that you can choose. And one type allows you to see any doctor, and the other type is basically an HMO. Do you know what an HMO is? I do not. Well, it's kind of boring, but basically it means that you have to stay within a network of doctors. And so my husband knew what he wanted, and so when it was time for him to sign up, he went to the bottom of the stack, pulled out um, the first person who had sent him a mailing and called him up and invited him to come to our home. And the person signed him up for the plan. And then at the end of the conversation said, do you take any drugs? My husband said, no. So for people in the United States that are on Medicare, they will understand that if you don't sign up for a drug plan, when you first turn 65 or when you're first eligible, there's a penalty that builds up. And this penalty was building up and building up and building up, and we didn't know it. And I was visiting my stepmother when I was still a financial advisor, and we started talking about my father who has Parkinson's disease, and she told me that his medications are about $5,000 a month. A month? And, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And medications in the United States are just 
horrific. A nightmare. Um, hmm. Well, we we like to sue people in the United States, so the <laughs> the drug companies like to cover their bases here, and hmm. they'll sell you a cheaper. They'll sell you the same jug and drug in Australia cheaper than they'll sell it to us in the United States. But hmm. but anyway, so I did some quick math in my head, and I thought, wow, when I'm 65, ready to retire, my husband's going to be 85, and that's when he start taking a lot of drugs. And I thought, wow, he's going to bankrupt me. <laughs> so we tried to get him signed up and couldn't because it wasn't what's called open enrollment. And so we had to wait. And right now, his penalty every month costs more than the drug plan. And so I was really upset about that. I thought, wow, if I'm a financial advisor, because I had done some research on Medicare and I found it to be super confusing wow, if I'm a financial advisor, I have a degree in financial services. If I find this confusing, think how confused my clients are. So that's when I started selling Medicare insurance. So I make a lot less money, um, but I find this to be an extremely needed service here in the United States. I know it's not something that's probably needed where you are, but that's why I do it here because it is a very complicated, the, the rules are just enormously complex. And, you know, you're already 65 when you're signing up for this stuff. So <laughs> it's not like you're 30 and just out of school, you know. And so anyway, it, it that's sounds, a long story, a long answer to a short question. <laughs> but it's a good answer because you saw a need and you sought to fill the need for, for clients who couldn't help themselves. Now, let hmm. me ask you this. Here you are, you're going along, you think, oh, I'm going to sell my company. At the point where you thought you'd sell it, did you know what you were going to be doing after? I did, actually. Um, so the first time I sold part of my company, I sold it because I, I just couldn't handle the work myself. And then the second time, I actually didn't wind up selling it. I thought I had a buyer for my business. And that buyer kept dragging her feet, dragging her feet. And then finally... It was time for me to make a payment to what's called a broker dealer. And it was time for me to make a payment to them in order to maintain working there. And that payment was around $5,000. And then the person who was supposed to buy my business, within about a week of me having to make that payment, said she wasn't going to do it. And rather than going out and looking for another buyer, which I completely could have done because my business was a six-figure business. I just said to my husband, can we afford for me not to work? And he said, yes. And I said, fine, I'm walking away. So I walked away from my business, which probably isn't too smart. But um, <laughs> after 25 years, I was just done. You know, I was done. Well, it's you know, interesting I, because I, I generally ask people, what was the catalyst that caused you to retire? <laughs> and there it is. That's the catalyst. It was coming yep. up to pay you $5,000 time. It was and, more than that, but yeah, but yeah it, was, it wasn't the people that I didn't like. It was all the stuff you have to deal with. You know, when I would take on a new client, it was a two-inch stack of paperwork. Even today, I still have paper. I, I hate paper. Okay, so it, the decision's made, Liz, can we afford to, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we can. Okay, I'm not going to sell it. I'm giving it... I'm going to do I'm something else. And what at that point, what were you going to do? Oh, I knew I was going to sell Medicare. I, I knew that that's what I was going to do. But I make so much less money selling Medicare. It's yeah, a labor it's, of love almost. 
It is. You know, it, I don't want to say it's nonprofit, but, you know, my assistant makes more money than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I work to keep her paid. <laughs> now, listeners, the reason I'm talking to Kathy, although fascinating as this may be, is because she has a podcast. And a podcast is very similar in purpose to the podcast you're listening to now. So, Kathy, when you retired, did you know you were going to start a podcast? Uh, no, I don't think I did, actually. I'm trying to think back to when that decision was made. Let's not worry about when, but can you tell the listeners why that decision was made? I wanted to start a podcast because I wanted to help people realize that retirement is not just about money. Because I had been a retirement you know, counselor, financial advisor, whatever you want to call it, for 25 years. And I had noticed that my clients who were very wealthy didn't necessarily do better than my clients who were not. What I noticed is that it was really the activity level of the client that helped determine how good of a retirement they were going to have. You know, I, I had clients here in San Diego, California. I don't want to say we're wealthy, but I mean, our homes average 550000 or so U.S. dollars. And so we live in expensive areas here in San Diego. You know, we cash in your home and move somewhere cheaper, right? But there are many, many things that I noticed that people don't understand about retirement. And so that's why I started the podcast. I wanted people to understand it's not just about money. And I'm sure that's why you probably started yours as well. Um, there are other issues. And so basically it's, you know, about social and family, adventure and travel, volunteer and philanthropy, spirit and soul, sandwich generation issues, and yes, sex. So those are the things that we talk about on Rocky Retirement, which is the name of my podcast. And listeners, I'd encourage you to have a look at and have a listen to Rocky Retirement. The URL for the website is, Kathy? www.rockyourretirement.com. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a super active uh, Facebook page as well. I do, and, and I love that part. You know, that's the part that I really enjoy. It's small right now. We've got about 250 members or so, maybe a little bit more. My goal with the Facebook group is to have people support each other. You know, when somebody has a question, like just the other day, somebody had a question about travel and one of the other members of the group answered. Mm -hmm. And so that's my goal is for the members of this group to be able to bring issues to the group and to have the members of the group answer the questions, not me, because I'm not an expert in retirement. You know, I'm not fully retired. I interview experts. And so that's what I do. And, and I'm learning. I'm learning myself. Can you explain to folks how you came to start the podcast? Did you know how to podcast? Did Les know the technology of it? Just the, the mechanics of doing it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband, actually, I'm very, very lucky because my husband is a technical guy. And I just knew that I wanted to interview people. So I told my husband that I wanted to start a podcast and told him about how much money it was going to cost per month. I said, okay, because it's not that much money. It's not to... enormous, is it? No, no, it's really cheap. In fact, I use a company called Libsyn to host my files, and they're as little as $5 a month you can have a podcast. Um, and so I did, though, sign up for the School of Podcasting 
Dave Jackson is you know, like the teacher or the guru or whatever. I didn't sign up for one of the more expensive. There are some really, really expensive programs that teach you how to podcast. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do that because I knew that this was probably just going to be a hobby for me. So I didn't want to spend $3,000, but I didn't mind spending a little bit per month and having the school of podcasting so that I can ask questions. They have a private Facebook group. It's been really helpful. All you need is a microphone. If you wanted to, you could do it with an iPhone. It's just recording and then putting it on the internet. Listeners, at the moment, I'm sitting here with my laptop computer and a headset on, and I'm talking to Kathy on Skype. We're in different parts of the world, and it's very simple. Yeah, and I'm standing at my treadmill desk. <laughs> I have a microphone in front of my face. I can't see over this because I'm short. Now, I've seen photos of you standing beside your husband, and there does seem to be a bit of a disparity. <laughs> He likes short women. <laughs> I'm five foot two and he's six foot two or six foot one. Uh -huh. So there's about a foot between us. <laughs> I've got to say that when I started podcasting, the technology is a nightmare. I learned it after a while. So we get by. I'm has... really lucky to have my husband to edit because I really don't want to do any of that. If it were up to me to have to edit, I would put raw files up. That would not be pretty. Did you have to modify the way you spoke when you started listening back to yourself? I don't think I'm modifying the way I speak, but I am getting better at interviewing. So when I first started, I had a list of questions that I would refer to. And I wouldn't necessarily listen to the answers as deeply as I do now. So as I do it more often, I get better at it. I'll listen to myself and I'll think, ugh, I wish I would have said this or I wish I would have asked that. But, you know, as you ride a bicycle, you get better at it, right? That's right. Nobody ever is perfect on the first day. And I know people who teach and probably your uh, school of podcasting said the same thing. The first 10 are going to be horrible and the next 10 get a little bit better. And as experience mounts, you get a bit better and a bit better. The whole idea of listening to what people say is so important, isn't it? It is. Would you like to it talk is. about that? Well, for example, if you have a list of questions, how did you get into this? Then the answer is, well, I got into selling. Okay, let's let me think of a topic. So for example, one of the things that we talk about on my show is sex, right? And it's not all the time. I have two episodes right now that talk about sex. These one were the first ones I listened to, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, sex sells, right? <laughs> If you're not listening to the story, you can't dig deeper into the more interesting details of what the stories are. Mm -hmm. And that is what I try to do now. I try. Part of my problem is I talk too much. You know, I would much rather listen to my guest than myself. Now, this interview I'm talking because you're interviewing me. Yes. But one of the things that I try to do on my show is not talk so much. And I actually have my husband edit me out. People aren't listening to the show to hear me talk. They're listening to the show to hear what the people I'm interviewing have to say. But I like your show. And, you know, one of the things that I really liked about you, and I think I sought you out, right? I found you yes. and then yes. emailed you. There weren't any shows like ours. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had searched because I thought, well, if there's, if there's another show like mine, I, I won't start it. You know, because if you do a search for retirement, 10 million websites are going to pop up. And they're and, all about finance. 
Exactly. They're all about finance. And there's not a lot about what you and I talk about. But you know what? Mm -hmm. Ever since you and I started these shows, now there are a few more. I, for one, am glad for that. Yes. You know, some people would think, oh, you know, you guys are competitors. Why are you reaching out to Henry? He's competing with you. No. No, you're not. No. This, there's plenty of room and your interview style is much different than mine. And, uh, you know, you have that funny Australian accent. <laughs> Kathy, where, where do you see your podcast going in the future? I'm not sure. You know, right now, I have a huge demand for people wanting to be interviewed on my show. You're a lucky woman. Well, you know, I did a lot of marketing in the beginning. And because of what I do for a living, I can't interview people during the months of October, November, or December. And so I knew that in order for me to have my show, that I had to do interviews in advance. And when I first started the show, it was twice a month, twice a week. I'm sorry. Um, I had an interview on Mondays and an interview on Thursdays. And in the beginning on Mondays, I, I would release an interview with a retiree. And on Thursdays, I would release an interview with, I would call them a vendor. But it got to be too much. I, I can't, I couldn't keep up that pace and neither could my husband. And so we moved it down to once a week and it's much, much more manageable. But I'm done. I'm, I'm finished with all of my interviews through the end of the year. I have interviews scheduled through February and I'm not taking any more interviews unless it's somebody really special, like a, a like an author with a book coming out. I won't be taking any more interviews until probably November to schedule them for March. Now I have a question for you, Henry. Why did you start this? Very much the same story. I retired, did not know before I retired what I was going to do. And a little bit like you, I walk a lot. Mm, you might say I was porky, no, just a little bit overweight. So... <laughs> Yeah, 10,000 steps, I wear a Fitbit and I walk and walk and walk. And so I listen to lots of podcasts. We thought, are alike, aren't we? We are alike. I thought, well, I can do that. I'll have a go. Little realizing the nightmare that the technology was going to present me. But that's all right. <laughs> I learned a whole bunch of stuff. Learned how to, how to podcast and how to put things up on iTunes and so on and so on. And having retired, I looked around at people and how do I say this without putting any, without dobbing anybody in, as we say here in Australia? Well, I've got a man down the road from me who could retire, doesn't because he's scared to retire. I've got a, a relative who could retire, he's 70, and he's scared to retire for quite a different reason. I thought, why are these folks scared to retire? And the answer is because they don't know what they're going to do after. That's a problem. Boom. Boom. Especially so, for men. Yeah. Especially for men. So I thought, well, I'll create a podcast that just shows people the whole range of stuff they can do after they retire. And that's, so that's a long answer to your question, but uh, that's how mine started. Well, I love that, you know, and your show really gets deep with people. You know, why are they doing what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love that show on Carob. Yes, um, yes. The, but she's no longer doing that, right? She wasn't she about to to? She was about to retire business? a couple of weeks after I spoke to. Her. Yeah, right. And you just met her vacationing, right? That's right. Yeah, I love that. My show's a little bit different. You know, I talk about different issues too that people might have with health, 
those kind of things. I don't think that's something that you do. You're mostly interested in what people are doing, right? The emphasis is on what can people do after they retire? Because they should be excited to retire. Retired excited. Exactly. I love the title of your show. And I'm so glad that you are doing this. This is such a needed service that you're offering. You know, maybe your show will help those two gentlemen realize that they can retire. They are lost cases, I'm afraid, but there may be, there may be others out there. Now, Kath, just before we go, can you tell the listeners a bit about your Facebook page? It's actually not the page that I want to plug. It's the group. And so if you go to rockyourretirement.com slash Facebook group, that'll take you there. And what will people find? They will find, um, you know, a spot on Facebook. They'll have to sign up. And then once I approve them into the group, and just be aware, if you are already a member of 200 groups, I'm probably not going to let you in. Because to me, that says you're going to try to market to people. Um, the group is not about selling your services. Although I do that about once a month, I allow people to post what they do. But other than that, it's just really about supporting people. You know, we have different days of the week that we do, you know, like Monday, I have Mutt Monday. That's where you post pictures about your pets. Tuesday is Travel Tuesday. That's where we talk about where we're going or travel tips or, you know, just different things about traveling. Wednesday is Wellness Wednesday. We post what we're doing or ask questions. Thursday, we talk about volunteer work that we do. Friday, we talk about free stuff. <laughs> so free concerts in the park or free, you know, walking on the beach or whatever you can do on Fridays. You know, you're not doing it on Fridays. We're just talking about what we can get for free on Fridays. Saturday is shout out Saturday. So we, t you know, give a shout out to somebody who's done something nice for us. And then Sunday's my favorite day of the week. It's Gratitude Sunday. And we talk about the things that we're, that we're thankful for. These are just days uh, people can always ask questions or talk about things on the rest of the day. But these are my special days to give us something to talk about. <laughs> Before we go, I was going to very quickly ask you, you had considered looking at a retirement community. We had in Buckeye, Arizona, which is in the hot part of the United States. Can you explain? Because retirement community is not quite the wording we would use in Australia. Explain what that is, please. There are a couple of different things that I think of when I think retirement community. One is and usually apartments where people either live independently or they live with assistance called assisted living or they live with memory care. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a community of houses where there's really no, you don't share meals um, you know, there's no cafeteria or anything like that. These are just houses where there are activities planned for you if you want to take part. There are, you know, usually swimming pools, there's usually a gym, there's usually, um, you know, like art rooms or workshops to do woodwork, those kind of things in these communities. And I really liked the, the homes that were offered for sale. I liked the area you know, everything was really nice, but it was 112 degrees when we were there, <laughs> which is Fahrenheit. I don't know what that would be in Celsius. Oh, 40 something. It's very, very hot. <laughs> it's really hot. And, and usually I'm the one that can't take the heat. You know, my husband likes to joke that I have a two degree 
heat tolerance, you know, between 70 and 72, but, um, you know, Fahrenheit, but, um, but he was complaining on this trip. And so, you know, we're not going to be moving, but just to give you a difference in price, you know, we could buy a house in Buckeye for half the price of our house. And what? with that 20 year age difference, I'm always, always doing math. Hmm. You know, cause <laughs> I, I'm going to be living hopefully longer than my husband because of that 20 years. So I'm right. always thinking, Hmm, where am I going to get the funds to do that? <laughs> when you say half the price, but what about the amenity? Are we talking about like for like the house, oh, no, uh, much for better. a similar house? It would be a smaller house because my husband and I have a giant, I consider it to be a very large house. It's 3,500 square feet. Before we got married, I got married at a very old age of 42. It was the first time I got married and last. Right. I told my husband, if I get married to you, there's no coming back. <laughs> I'm not waiting 42 years and then having it end. He had come from a 5,000 square foot house, which to me is a mansion. It's a big house. And I had come from a 2,000 square foot house. I said, you know what? This house is too big. You know, I don't want a house that big. And so we searched and we searched and we searched. And remember, when we searched, we had to find a house that was appropriate for my bird. Because, you know, I'd had him, I've had him for 25 years. And we needed a place where... They, they can... They can go up to 80 years old. The bird is going to outlive you. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I know. I know. But he was one of the last imported birds that were wild caught. So my bird is kind of a pain because he's a prisoner. We had to have a, a house where he could still feel like he was part of the family and not be like in the garage. The house in Buckeye was going to be maybe 2,500, 2,000 square feet. So yes. a smaller house, but more amenities. You know, it came with four swimming pools. It came with um, all these activities and clubs. You know, I'm an artist, so it came with a big art building. It it has wonderful facilities for working out, all kinds of different clubs, you know, like dog clubs, I don't know, fishing yeah. clubs, all kinds of clubs. You name it, they probably had it. How many people in the community? Or how many houses in the community? At the end, when they're done building, it's going to be ten thousand. But what what whoa, I liked whoa. about That's what huge. I like mm. I know it's a huge community. What I like about this community is it's not just seniors. It has a, another community around it that are is all ages. And if you buy into this community, you get to use the the facilities for the regular under fifty five um, community. And then you get to also use the over 55 community, but the people that are not in the 55 and older can't use your, your amenities, if that makes sense. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. So you still get the young people, which is what my husband wants. You know, he's like, I don't want to be around a bunch of old people. And, you know, <laughs> I would move into one of the um, independent living, you know, the apartments, mm -hmm. because to me, they're like living on a big cruise ship. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, someone's going to make my dinner for me and clean my house. I, sign me up. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm there. So the, 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 impetus, the impetus for you uh, to even consider it, am I right in saying, was not really wanting to have such a big home going into the, into the future? It's not just the big home. It, to be honest, it's the money. You know, I'm looking at our house and I'm seeing dollar signs. I'm like, what could I do with the money? 
This is your financial planning background. (laughs) Is that awful of me? You know, and all my husband wants to do is relax and enjoy his home. (laughs) I'm like, let's sell it and go somewhere else. (laughs) And when we bought this home, it was with the intention of never moving because it is a two-story home. We looked and looked and looked until we found the right home. Our home has the master bedroom. Everything we need is on the ground floor. And then the other things are on the top floor. So the office where I'm speaking to you right now is on the second floor. My bird is on the second floor. And our intention was, hey, as soon as we can't climb the stairs, we shouldn't be working. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll have caregivers living living up there. (laughs) When you start talking about the retirement community, I think, oh, we've got something similar here. We've got what we would call retirement villages. And so it's a gated community which may have, let's say, 200 houses built by one developer. And within those 200, there might be, let's say, four different configurations uh, of different houses. You know, there'll be two bedrooms, two bedrooms mm-hmm. and a study, three bedrooms. Some will have one garage and some will have two garages. And, and so they're all similar. Is that the case with what you're looking at or all the houses different or are they all built by the by the owners as they come in? How does that work? No, they're very much like what you just described, except for in Buckeye, there are four builders. Mm -hmm. And so there's the entry level, you know, the low, the lowest cost homes up to these, the, the high, the highest level. Of course, my husband wanted the highest level and I thought, no, (laughs) why would we move if we're going to, you know, spend the same amount? But um, and the highest level had 3,000 square feet yes. in some of their homes. So each builder has about four homes, and there were four builders. So because it's going to take a long time for them to finish the community. So the next phase, they may not have the same builders, if that makes sense. To build 10,000 homes must be a huge allotment of land. So is this out in the middle of the desert somewhere? Or is it nearby yes. to a town? How does that work? It's in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and they usually are. You know, we have a, a large retirement builder here called Dell Webb. And they built Sun City in Palm Springs, California, which is a desert. They have all kinds of communities, um, but very similar. You know, these these homes are usually not in big metropolis areas. They're close. They're usually within an hour's drive. But they're not, you know, because you can't afford the land. That's the right. land yes. here is what's expensive. So they're mm. always in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but they're so big that they create their own uh, suburb, their own community in, within themselves. and They do. Uh, I imagine they would have to have shopping facilities and so forth. So I'm going to wind up just by saying, Kathy, thank yes. you very much. Um, I've taken up a lot of your time. Thank you, Henry. This uh-huh. has been a pleasure coming on your show. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you here. What can I say? More power <laughs> of the podcast. Thanks, Kathy. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, as you all have heard, we ranged far and wide from Kathy's Rocky Retirement Podcast. I think it's interesting, particularly interesting for Australian listeners to get a feel of what things are like in America. We're in the middle of the lead up to American elections as I am recording this interview. 
And we're getting a very strange view of American society and American politics. And it's good to hear from someone on the ground over there and just get a feel for how things work over there. As you will have heard, Kathy turned the tables on me at one stage and started asking me about retired excited. Uh, and that just shows her professionalism coming out. She's an interviewer herself and does a really, really good job on Rocky Retirement. And once again, I just encourage you to listen to that. The discussion about retirement communities in America was interesting, wasn't it? It's quite different from here in Australia. Here in Australia, your retirement villages are mostly on the edge of suburban areas or just uh, very close in anyhow. And the prices for properties in the retirement villages that I know about or retirement apartments are very similar or just slightly less than they would be in the surrounding suburbs. But obviously over there, they create whole new suburbs, whole new communities. And if the finances of the whole operation are quite different. And as Kathy said, she would have been able to move in to the one that she was looking at. She didn't like it in the end because it was just too hot. She, she loved the facilities and she loved the housing availability there, but it was simply too hot in the middle of the desert. But she would have been able to sell her property and move in there for approximately half the cost of the house that she presently lives in. Now, it may be that you have all sorts of questions that arise out of this podcast whether they be about podcasting itself, which is really what I've, I wanted to talk to her about, or just American society, retirement communities, the way that medical insurance works over there in America, feel free to ask questions by putting a comment in the reply box at the bottom of the page on the website, retiredexcited.com, and episode number 25. And tell me what you think about it, or if you have questions for Kathy, I will certainly pass them on and she can help you with those. And I do encourage you to have a look at her Facebook group, her Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Rocky Retirement. It's really interesting. The way she has constructed that and the community that she's building there is very, very tight-knit group. I think you find the way she goes about it and the information you can get there really interesting and of benefit to you and to your friends. I'd, I'd say, if you like it, recommend it to all your friends and perhaps share it on your Facebook pages as well. So I hope you've enjoyed this. If you want to contact me, as always, henry at retiredexcited.com, and I'd be really, really pleased to hear from you. If you email me, I will certainly get back to you. That's it for today. So keep well, keep happy, and I'll see you next week. I to get that Ian Mabbott was terrific. That was interesting. What a good idea.